Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and on this show, we interview successful real estate investing women, goddesses that have been crushing it in real estate. And, uh, you know, real estate investor goddesses, we know that real estate investing is not one size fits all. There are a lot of strategies for being successful in our real, in real estate, and our guest today may have tried all of them. She's done a lot and, and trained on a lot. Now she focuses on tax lien investing, and in today's podcast, she's going to share why. Mary Jo Wilson, uh, otherwise known as Dr. Tax Lean, started her career pretty far outside of real estate investing. She has a bachelor's in science in biology from Western Illinois University, uh, a master's of science in entomology, a PhD in microbiology from Kansas State. So that doctor in front of her name isn't just cute. (laughs) She actually earned it. Uh, She was the first female faculty member in the Department of Entomology at the University of Kentucky. So she's pretty impressive and pretty smart. She then became a business owner, national franchise trainer, and from 2004 through 2017, she was a mentor and trainer for Rich Dad Education. Many of our guests have become investors because they they read that little purple book, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and she actually worked for them. She's been running her business, Dr. Taxling, since 2015, and she teaches a couple classes, including tax treasure trading, which um, she's going to have one in August 5th to 7th in San Antonio. So if you're interested, you can find out more about that. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And she also teaches Fund Finder Fortunes. I'm thrilled to have her here. Welcome, Mary Jo. Thank you very much, Monique. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to being able to share a little bit about this exciting investment opportunity to your listeners. Well, I'm I'm excited as well, and personally, I'm excited to learn more about it because it's not an asset class that I've um, invested in yet, and uh, so I'm I'm really excited to 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 find out more about that. But before we get into the tax lien in particular, I I would like to start at the beginning with my guest and find out how did you get started in real estate investing, and you were you had a PhD in microbiology teaching um, entomology. So what, 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 what got you into real estate investing? Well, actually, my mom and dad invested in real estate. In fact, they're still living, which is a blessing. And they still own some properties that they purchased back in 1953. So those wow. properties have been paid for, and they're providing great cash flow to help them in retirement. So my dad, as a very young man, recognized opportunities by buying real estate. Uh, you know what they say, do what I say, not what I do. So as parents, <laughs> we try to give our kids the very, very best advice. And their advice to me, as I'm sure many of your listeners have heard as well, is get a good education and a good job. That, mm-hmm. That's something that used to work, but the rules have changed since that point in time. And so now getting a good education and a good job really doesn't ensure that we're going to have a great life and and have plenty of money to retire on and be able to have the freedom that we want to be able to enjoy and be able to go where we want to go, when we want to go, with whom we want to go, for however long we want to go. And that's what a lot of people want to be able to do. 
that that American dream is just not working for them. And so as I went to school, each time I got another degree, I would then ask the question, now can I get a job? And they would say, well, no, you can't get a job with a master's degree in entomology. I'd say, okay, well, what do I need to do? Oh, well, you need a doctorate degree. So I actually never set out to do that. I never envisioned myself having a doctorate, but I just kind of went with the flow because I love to learn. I'm a lifetime learner. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I've got to get a doctorate degree. So four years later, I got my doctorate degree, and I asked the same question now, can I get a job? And their answer was, well, no, you can't get a job with a doctorate degree in entomology. You need to do postdoctoral work. So then I went to the University of Idaho, and I did two years of postdoc. I learned how to do genetic engineering and, and cloning and DNA sequencing. So if you guys ever need somebody to kind of explain to you what's going on on CSI Miami on the old reruns, I'm the person you want to watch that show with because that's the kind of stuff I did in the lab. So wow. after I did that two years of postdoc, by the way, I'll put a postscript here that if I'd been really, really smart, I would have asked the question about would I be able to get a job before I went and got all those degrees instead of waiting till I got them and then asking the question. Okay, so <laughs> finally, finally after doing 12 years of school after I graduated high school, so people, you know, they're in there saying, oh, I just got to get through my senior year of high school, and I started out four years of college plus another year plus two years of my master's plus four years plus another two years of postdoc, and I'm finally in a position to get my very first job. Pretty crazy, huh? And so I became faculty at the University of Kentucky, and guess what I realized? As soon as I had that first job, um, I don't really want a job. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what have I been working so hard all these years and studying this stuff all this time, and now I have a job, and I don't really want a job. So um, I started looking at some other alternatives. It's like I'm never going to really get where I want to be working for somebody else. So I became a business owner. And while I was a business owner, I actually started a pest control company, bought two, two, um, internet, or two national franchises, one for animal control and one for pest control. And during that time frame, I started investing in real estate. So my first mm. house I bought when I was in graduate school in Kansas, and then I started buying real estate in Lexington, Kentucky, where I was living at the time. Okay. All right. So you, was that first property, was that for you to live in, or was that a cat, a investment property? That very first property I bought when I was in school was for a for my residence. Okay. And then what was your first investment property? First investment property was a property that I decided to, to keep instead of selling when I bought my second property when we moved up into our new office space. We decided instead of selling it, we would keep it as a rental. And then I just mm -hmm. progressed from there and continued to add rental properties to my portfolio. So my strategy initially was buy and hold. Okay. Beautiful. So you, your, um, your teaching and, oh, actually, at this point, you have your, your businesses and you've been doing buy and hold. What got you interested in now, now your doctor tax lien? So you're all about tax lien. So tell us a little bit about what got you into that. Okay, perfect. So what happened was back in the 70s, which might be a little bit before a lot of your listeners were even born. But back in the 1970s, my sister was working for a bank. 
and she was working in a trust department. And the bankers noticed that there was one particular trust account that was really increasing its, re its, its investment returns were very, very high. And they started as being curious as to why that was happening because most of the time, they, at that point in time, they were, they were making about regular passive savings were making about 5%, which today sounds phenomenal since we're like under 1% on a CD, yeah. but at that time, this account was making about 36% return, 36% wow. return. That's, that's amazing. And so the bankers were looking at what is the trustee for this trust account actually doing to get those kind of returns, and it turns out that the trustee was actually investing in Illinois tax liens. So mm. I'd like to say that as soon as my sister was sharing this with me that I jumped right on that opportunity when people really didn't know about delinquent tax certificates at that time at all, but I really wasn't that swift, okay? So I found out about them. I was aware of them. Uh, at that time, of course, we had no infomercials. We had no late-night TV. We had nobody writing books on it. There's no brokers that make money by uh, tax liens being sold, and so it, it remains a very hidden area in real estate that people don't really tell other people about it. If they go to the auction and they're getting 36% on a tax lien, they're not going to go tell all their friends and neighbors, hey, come down and compete with me so that I have to get them for less. So there's just You're not right. a lot of people who share it with others. So when did you go from finding out about this to doing it? Okay, so I started investing in tax liens, and then when I was with Rich Dad Education, I started out as a mentor in 2004. So what happened was in 2001, I'm sure part of your audience will be able to relate to this, I ended up getting a divorce in 2001 and was really trying to figure out what kind of direction I was going to go. I was kind of lost. I was trying to feel my way through it. I was a single mom with two sons. And what I decided at that point in time is that since I had a real estate portfolio, I went to a training. I decided that I was going to move forward into real estate investing because guess what? As a, as a business owner, I had employees. And they wouldn't show up on Monday mornings because they partied too much mm. on the weekends. They would use our company trucks. They would run, run through and get in an accident or fall off of a roof and workman's comp was high because we, we were up on roofs trapping animals. And so I was really looking for something that would be lucrative and I didn't have all the hassles of employees. And so real estate looked very, very attractive to me. So I decided yeah. in 2002 that I wanted to learn the real estate investing aspect because buying and holding real estate is great, but that's, there's so many more different types of strategies with real estate that I totally wasn't familiar with because I'd never been trained in investing. So I actually became a student and learned about wholesale, about mobile homes, about lease options, about other ways of creating a financing deal, getting the sellers to carry the financing back and that sort of thing, and actually started implementing the information on tax liens and some of the other strategies that I knew about and I was learning about. And then in 2008, I started teaching the tax lien class for Rich Dad Education. Okay. Cool. Um, so what do you like specifically about tax liens? So why, why do you, because like, as you were saying, there are a lot of different strategies out there. 
what what drew you particularly to tax liens? Well, you can get started with tax liens with a very small investment amount of money. I mean, I, I have one tax lien that I bought for a penny. So, wow. you know, it was it happened to be on a condo that hadn't been built yet, and it was the property taxes. That's not not normal, but, I mean, there's a lot of tax liens out there for $20, $50, $100. So if you had $1,000 and you wanted to go in and buy a few tax liens, you could get started. And I like to share wow. with people a lot of times that, if they have even a small amount of money inside of a retirement account, I encourage people to get a self-directed Roth IRA. They can start using tax liens to grow that retirement account so that when they get to retirement, they actually have some money that they're going to be able to either supplement retirement or to be able to retire with as they build that up. And then, you know, that provides them also an ability to get around the one disadvantage of tax liens, which is that they're not very liquid. So if you're buying tax mm-hmm. liens, which are delinquent property certificates, inside of your IRA, if it takes them two or three years to redeem, in other words, for the owners to pay you back your money that you invested plus the interest rate that you earned on them, if they're in a long-term retirement account, it's not really a problem. But in fact, it's a benefit because it means as soon as that tax lien redeems and the money comes back into your retirement account, you've got to figure out where else you're going to get that money invested or it's sitting there not making anything. So if it stays yeah. invested for two or three years, that's actually beneficial. So by investing in liens inside of a retirement account, we're able to get our money invested in something that is actually collateralized. In other words, that's backed by real estate. So if the lien doesn't pay us back the interest rate, guess what? We get the real estate. So All right, we nice. have it backed up. We're not just investing in tax in uh, let's say in mutual funds or in stocks where we don't have any collateral, here we have a great interest rate return. And if we don't get the interest rate return, we get the property. So it doesn't get much better than that. That's beautiful. So what kind of, um, I guess it probably varies a lot, but what kind of returns do you, can you get with, uh, with tax leads? Well, that's a great question. Uh, a, a lot of people are investing in the big four states. And the big four, they sell more tax liens than any of the other states combined. The big four in tax liens is Florida, mm-hmm. Illinois, Arizona, and New Jersey. And in all okay. four of these states, they have an auction process, and it's called a bid-down interest rate. So what happens is, for, for example, Florida, they start at 18%, and then different investors bid down the interest rate that they're willing to accept to basically pay the property taxes for the homeowner until the homeowner can pay you back. So a tax lien is kind of like a loan to that property owner, but it's given directly to the tax collector. And then the property owner has a certain length of time to pay that money back. That's called the redemption period. And in Florida, for example, it's two years. And then the property owner has that time frame to pay back the taxes. And when they go into the, ta- here's the cool thing, the tax collector now works for you, Monique, so when the people go in to pay the taxes, the tax collector collects your money for you plus the interest, so you don't even have to know how to figure out what they owe you because the tax collector does all that for you, so you don't even have to be good in math. The tax collector collects your money back plus the interest earned and sends you a check. Uh, in fact, some nice. tax collectors will even just immediately do a direct deposit back into your account. So that's pretty cool. So you have the tax collector working for you. And... Um, 
So it just kind of depends competitively how far you bid that down. But there's a, an advanced strategy called buying over the counter, which I love to train people on, which is you can buy taxlings that were left over from the tax sale that nobody bought. Now, is there going to be a lot of junk on those? Yes, there will be. But I teach people how to do their due diligence to figure out what's going to be a good tax lien to purchase. And those over-the-counter tax liens in Florida, for example, pay 18%. So 18% beats 1% every day, all day long. Oh, yeah, or 0.1%. Or 0.1%, yeah. And, and the, the tax liens in Iowa, I love Iowa sales, uh, they pay 24%. Nebraska is wow. 14%. So every state has state statutes that will define whether they're going to sell tax liens, which is one way of dealing with delinquent properties. Other states like Texas actually sell tax deeds. So in that situation, the tax collector actually holds on to the tax liens. They don't sell them. And then they wait a certain time frame. The county forecloses on the liens and actually sells the houses as courthouse steps. So for those people who are looking for a way to actually build a rental portfolio or buy properties that they can fix up and sell, that's a great strategy for finding discounted properties also. Mm, beautiful. I love it. So um, you, you teach people how to do this. And I, Correct. Like I was saying at the beginning, you have a class um, – at the beginning of next month in San Antonio, uh, what are what are some some things that you you share in that in that in the course? Okay, very very good. So what we'll do is we'll start with a definition of the different terms that they'll run into. For example, we'll define like I've just shared with you what is the definition of a tax lien. It's basically a loan given to the property owner. We'll talk about delinquent uh, the redemption period. We'll talk about deeds, buying properties at the deed sale. Uh, we, we have some states that are actually called redeemable deeds, like Texas and Georgia. Uh, we'll also then go into, we have a big list. Like, for example, at one point in Maricopa County in, in Phoenix, Arizona, one year they had over 100,000 tax liens on their tax sale in February because Arizona always has their tax wow. sales in February. Well, you have to know how you take this huge list of $100,000 tax liens and how you narrow that list down to a manageable number that you can actually do the due diligence on it. So we talk about taking a big list, how we narrow it down, and then what are the items we're going to look for? What are we going to look at to determine if that is a good property we want to buy a tax lien on? So really what I, what I share with people is you have to go into this strategy and you have to know, are you looking to buy tax liens for just an interest rate? That's what the banks and the, the large hedge funds are looking for. They want to buy tax liens just to get a rate of return. They don't want what I call the four T's. They don't want tenants, toilets, trash, and termites. They just want a good interest rate <laughs> on their money. Okay. Now, on the other hand, if you want to use tax liens as a way of acquiring properties, then you would do your due diligence in another way. So let me share with you an example if that would work for you, Monique. Sure. Let's say we have a property out there and that property is vacant. Now, we're only going to know if the property is vacant if we go and drive by. So one of the due diligence things is we have to drive and look at the property. Either we do or we hire somebody to go look at the property because we can't look on the Internet and determine if it's vacant or not. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that? 
Would be. So when we find the property vacant, do we buy the tax lien or do we not buy the tax lien? What do you think? Um, I don't know. You buy it? Depends, I guess. So what does uh, it depend on? I'm not sure. Okay, well, well, that's a really good question. Sure. That's one of the things we talk about. So let's say if, if, it's, we want, um, if, if, it's, if there's a tenant there, then perhaps the, there's income that the owner can rely on to pay you off. I, I guess in a, so if or if it's empty, it, then maybe. They, go ahead. So, no, go ahead. Continue. Let me know. No, if it's, if, if, if it's empty, go ahead with your thought because I think you're right on target. If it's empty, there's no income, so they're not as likely. But if you're wanting to get the property um, to to own it, then you, you as a, I would assume if it's empty that you have a better chance of getting it at the end. You are so smart. That is exactly right. So whether you keep something on your list to potentially purchase that lien or not, it's what you want your outcome to be, right? So if you're wanting to use the acquisition of tax liens for just getting a really good rate of return, you would take that tax lien of that property that's empty and you would eliminate it from your list because the likelihood is it's going to be higher that it's not going to redeem and you won't get your interest rate. But on the other hand, if you want to buy a tax lien portfolio that you're more likely to get the property, then that vacant property would go to the top of your list to try to acquire the tax liens of the properties that are vacant. You see? Right. It's the same yes. piece of it's the same piece of data, but depending on what you want your outcome to be, you're going to use it in a 180 degree different manner based on what you want your outcome to be. And there's a whole bunch of those different parameters we talk about based on what you want your outcome to be. Love it, so good. Um, so, so switching gears slightly, uh, because this is a question that I ask all of our guests. I, I've, I have found in my life, and I, I know most people learn a lot more when things go wrong than when things are going right. And it's often through our mistakes and failures that we learn the most. So what, what would you say was your biggest mistake in your real estate investing career, and what did you learn from it? Well, my biggest mistake was not diversifying my portfolio it was mm. buying primarily single-family homes and not having enough cash flow on each of those properties every month to really be profitable. So what was happening mm. is although I had a lot of assets on paper, I had a lot of equity on paper, remember, folks, equity doesn't pay your bills. Exactly. I love okay, that. so that's the biggest equity challenge. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah, equity doesn't pay your bills. So that's the the biggest uh, biggest challenge that I had, the biggest mistake, and it makes me a very good coach and a mentor because I want to be able to share that information and let people learn through the mistakes I've made, so they don't have to create and learn through those mistakes on their own. So good. Yes. Um, this is something I, I teach my students too, to, to go for the income and the cash flow because, you know, if you're the, you can find yourself land rich and cash poor <laughs> and that's the that's problem exactly when right. mm-hmm. you still have to pay the mortgage and taxes and, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to find tenants and to pay, you know, make all the ends meet. So that, that's great and, advice. 
and keeping your eye on the economic factors that's happening in your marketplace that are major key indicators of what's happening to your market cycle so that you can try to make adjustments. Now, when we had the downturn in the market in 2008, it happened so fast, and because real estate is not a liquid asset, it caught a lot of investors in a difficult position because even though you recognized what was happening, you couldn't move quickly enough to liquidate the real estate. So, But you need to learn how to look at those indicators so you can kind of see the market trends and start making adjustments in what you're holding and what you're keeping. And how did you fare during that 2008 downturn? Well, that's a great question. I didn't fare real well with some of them. Uh, properties, uh, we had an issue. I don't know if you experienced this in your market with not a lot of tenants because people that were able to breathe could get loans. And so we had a very, very, uh, very low quality of tenant pool to choose from. Mm, and so it was yeah. a real challenge. We were squeaking by from month to month just breathing a sigh of relief that we could actually create cash flow. And I was using cash from other types of avenues of income to pay those mortgages every month in order to stay current. That was really a tough, tough time. Uh, at least I wasn't mm. in land development situations like some uh, friends of mine that were in Florida where people were basically speculating going in and having properties built. Six months later when the house was built, they had thirty or 40000 of equity and then selling it. And then all of a sudden when the market turned, they're in the middle of building a house and the house isn't worth what they have it under contract for. So a lot of people yeah. got caught in that very, very difficult situation. Um, so I came out a little bit more fortunate than others, but it was a difficult time. And I know that there's a lot of people that got caught up in that. And that's one of the reasons it's very important to, to diversify. And when you're going into single family homes, I teach people that you're typically going into those for only a three to five year hold. And you need to make sure that you're buying on the upswing of the market and not as we're hitting the peak and the market's starting to go down. So it's important to know that. Uh, I also teach about the circle of wealth, about earned income strategies, passive and portfolio. And to build up your earned income strategies using a number of different manners to do that, and then eventually moving into passive and then into portfolio income. So it's very important that you understand the different cycles and where you are. For example, with portfolio real estate, let's say, for example, that would be land development. So often I hear brand new investors that say, oh, I have this piece of land. It's amazing. I'm going to go in and develop that. And they have no cash flow. That land development project is going to take a long time before it starts bringing you any, any income. So you wouldn't want to go into a land development project until you have about a million dollars of cash flow so that you can withstand the ups and downs and the delays of getting that project off the ground. But so many times nobody really explains to beginning investors about moving through the circle of wealth from earned to passive to portfolio and which strategies work well in the various circles of wealth. Mm, that's, that's so good. Um, so, gosh, if I could talk to you forever. <laughs> we're, we're, we're running towards <laughs> the end of our show. But I, I want to ask you, um, it, what advice would you give for a woman just starting out in this field? What, what, would, you, what would you tell her? 
I would tell her that she can do it. When I started out, I was a single mom in Kentucky with two boys, no, no local real estate investment group, no podcast, no uh, support. Uh, I felt like an island, and I, and I still did it. But the key was I was plugged into an educational program where I was surrounded every occasionally when I'd go to those trainings with like-minded people that I was able to go and get recharged. You need to surround yourself with people that have the same mindset, the same goals, that are positive, and if at all possible, get yourself mentors and trainers in your life that can help to propel you a lot more quickly than trying to do it by yourself. It's not fun doing it by yourself. It's a lot more fun when you can do it with people that you like and that have the same type of mindset that you do. And usually you don't find that with your friends and family. It's like the bucket of crabs. You try to get out of where you are and your circumstances and your situation and all your friends and family when you tell them about it. They're the ones that poo-poo your dreams and try to drag you back into the bucket. Yeah. That is why I've created Real Estate Investor Goddesses. So we have this sisterhood of women doing real estate and so we can support one another because you're right, you can't do this alone. And it really, really helps to have others that are on the journey with us. I believe that are, like you said, have, are positive, have the same mindset, and that want to, you know, that are supportive and get it. Because a lot of people just don't get this. <laughs> they think you're weird. Absolutely. And it's a lot easier to get encouragement from each other to keep going because we're all going to have our ups and downs. It's kind of like if you make this decision, you're going to go to the, you're going to go walking every day in your neighborhood. And the first day it rains, you decide I'm not going to get out of bed and go walk. But if you've got a partner that knocks on your door and says, hey, we're going, you're going to get up and go walking. So it just allows you to stay better on track when you surround yourself with people who are doing this. So good. Um, So quickly, before we get into our famed end of show, Trinity, what is the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Oh, great. Okay, I'm on Facebook, Dr. Taxlene. I'm also in LinkedIn, and I have my own website. It's called www. Dr. Tax Lean, and it's doctor with D-R, so D-R-T-A-X-L-I-E-N.com. Okay. Dr. Tax Lean, you can find her. Very well branded, so you can find her everywhere. And um, so for the Trinity, uh, what's is a brag, a gratitude, and a desire? What's one quick brag? What's one thing that you're celebrating right now? Absolutely. I'm going to be in a chapter in a book called Wealth for Women. It's conversations with the team that creates the dream. And one of the chapters will also be one of my students, uh, Shemen Van Gundy, that you had on your show in the past. And she was one of my students and has now branded herself as the queen of mobile homes. So I'm really, really proud of her. So I'll brag about the book and I'll brag about Shemen, okay? Yay, well bragged. And I bragged that I'm putting this book together and I'm so excited about the amazing women that are in it like Mary Jo and Shemin who are amazing and super so yay well brags I'm sharing that brag um what's one thing you're grateful for I am grateful for all the blessings in my life if you're grateful for what you have more things will come to you one of them is my family and I just got married last month on June the 16th to the most amazing man Um, He is 
the love of my life. I've been looking for him for a thousand years, folks. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank, thank you. And that's a brag as well. So, yay. Yay, yay, yay. And what's one thing you desire? <laughs> well, I desire to be able to train and mentor women like the men who can really change the, their family's lives as well as pay it forward where they continue now to make a bigger ripple. So I kind of like mm-hmm. to think that I'm a stone being thrown in the water and I touch people and then they touch people and we create this wave. And so my desire is for my wave to get bigger. Mm. So shall your desire be or better than you can imagine. <laughs> Thank you, Monique. Thank you. That was amazing. Um, again, y'all, you can you can find Dr. Mary Jo Wilson at drtaxlean.com and on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And you can connect with me at realestateinvestgoddesses.com. You can on there you'll you can access investment opportunities. You can also join our incredible sisterhood of real estate investing women. There's no reason to feel alone. There are lots of us out there to support you. So thanks again for being here and join us next week where we have another amazing real estate investor goddess interview. Bye-bye.